0: Okay, so my name is Pamela, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I am so grateful to be here. And I'm so grateful to be speaking in person, and I'm so grateful for all of you that showed up. You have changed my life. You have turned me into the person that I always wanted to be. First of all i'm I'm happy with how I look I'm happy with my body size oh my god and that's it if I had nothing else just to be happy with this body that i that I live in and I'm happy with the person that lives in it what a what a <laughs> what a concept who would have ever thought because you know I started out and I wasn't good enough. I think a lot of you heard me speak on Tuesday night, so the story's not going to be a lot different, but anyway, um, I was adopted, I've never really talked about this before, and I kind of got to be adopted twice, my mother, you know, 1943, my mother went to a home for unwed mothers and had me. and knew she wasn't able to take care of me right away, so she left me with her sister and the husband and my cousin, who was a couple years older. And I stayed there a year and a half, so I have rejection number one from birth mother, and then at a year and a half, my adopted parents. I have, through Ancestry.com, oops, outside issue, I found my sisters, that and and I found the cousin that I lived with, and she said, "I don't know, you know, I was, I was four years old. I don't know why my mother gave you up. I don't know what the story was." So, anyway, and of course, 18 million years of therapy, which di- were not bad, but didn't solve the problem. And they said, well, "People that are adopted all feel less than, rejected, not good enough. All this is the litany of people." And my parents never hid it. You know, they said, hello, we're your mom and dad and you're adopted. They never told me about sex, so I didn't understand what it meant to be adopted. But, but I always knew I was. So I always felt less than. So when I was about 10, oh, I forgot. That I could pass my phone around. I'll show you later. I I felt I needed to go on my first diet. I was tall. I was always the tallest one in my class until, like, eighth grade. If they lined you up by height, you know, I was always the last one. And then I had W for my last name. I was always the last one. I just tried to live with it and not not take it personally. But because I was so much bigger, and I can show you pictures, my cousin is, like, ten months younger than me, and she comes this high to me when I'm ten years old. You know, I was just tall. And, of course, I my father wanted a boy, so I played all kinds of boy things. And so I was kind of a tomboy, and I just felt way big. I just felt so big. So I went on my first diet, pears and cottage cheese. And, and I think I lost five pounds. And when I did my first first step, I wrote down, um, you're supposed to write about your eating behavior. So I thought it was, they were talking about diets. And so I wrote down every diet I went on. And I will tell you, I've been on every diet, every cleanse, every herbal thing. I have done them all three times. The first time, I was a rock star. The second time, I passed. And the third time, I was done. So I came to Overeaters Anonymous, a girl that I went to college with, a sorority sister, called me. She was living in Minnesota and gotten a divorce and said... You know, I'm I'm an AA. Couldn't figure out why she was an AA. She would have two drinks and pass out drunk. I I would have fifteen drinks and be driving, you know? So, so I thought she wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't understand the pass out drunk was the line. I thought it was how much you could drink. And I thought anyway, she was going to AA and she said, I'm divorced. And uh, I'm in Minnesota and everybody's with their husband and I'm, you know, almost 50 years old. I said, oh, come to Los Angeles. Who cares? Everybody's married nobody's married. They're married to different sex, same sex, groups of three. This is Los Angeles. Nobody's going to care about what you're doing because we're, this is, this is Hollywood. So thank you. So she came out and started, found a sponsor, and started doing the steps. And she would sit in my breakfast room every morning with her notebook, and she would write and write. I guess she was doing her fourth step. And she she mentioned what it was, and I thought, eh, that sounds interesting. And then she got this little recipe box with four-by-six blank cards, and she started writing out her amends. And I thought, well, that's interesting, but you know what happened? she finished that process about a year and a half later and i saw a different person now in my opinion i was really cool i had it together and she was a basket case she had a lot of problems but she did this process and she had less problems and i said oh i want to get that so i didn't really come from the vanity for the vanity i probably weighed 10 pounds more than I weigh today when I came into my first meeting. But I wanted to get the peace and serenity and just whatever I saw change in her, I wanted to do it. So I won't do about them. I think about the sponsor because we don't have many newcomers here. But I got a sponsor before I went to the program and then I have to, had to decide what program to go to because I am a compulsive fill in the blank. I mean, you name it, I got it, I did it, and I used it to avoid life. But I thought, well I didn't start drinking till, you know, I was 18, and I didn't start marijuana till I was 22, and I didn't start diet pills. Well that was at 17. But you know, all these other things, you know, my shopping, my sex, drugs, and rock and roll, all of that part of my stuff didn't happen. But when I was 10 years old, I did Paris and cottage cheese. I did MetraCal when I was 15. A doctor gave me speed when I was 60. I loved it. Okay, so... <laughs> it it made me go really fast and I got a really lot done and that made me feel very good so I looked back and I said well maybe the basic one is food because I started that at the youngest age and so for your information I no longer practice any of those compulsions that I had before and I did not go to another program I visited Al-Anon, before I came to OA actually I went to Al-Anon because I would married an alcoholic but as soon as he passed away I figured I didn't need to go to meetings anymore (laughs) I obviously didn't get it, okay Okay, but they did have nice lunches, it was in Beverly Hills you know, so I thought it was pretty good but I never got it and then I came, I'm 50 years old and I'm going and I'm hearing people say, you know I really like my mother now. I used to hate her and that was my story. I didn't get along with my mother. I had to pick on somebody. And as you can see, I'm kind of outgoing and flamboyant and pushy and obnoxious and my mother was a little school teacher. I mean, she was. She did have a college degree in the twenties, which women didn't have. Teacher's college. But she had a degree, but she was very quiet and very passive and talked very quiet, you know, and here and dressed very conservatively. And then she has this girl who talks loud and just drives her absolutely crazy. So my mother was my nemesis and I heard somebody at a meeting say, I'm, I could never got along with my mother. She pushed every button there is. And you know what? I'm going to lunch with my mother today and it's just one of the three things i'm doing i'm going to a meeting i'm having lunch with my mother i'm meeting a girlfriend we're going to the mall it's like not oh my god i'm having my mother for lunch and i have to you know the whole weekend is shot because i have to be upset about it so i said oh if i could just have that and you know i just did what you said i can't say that i got miraculous recovery right away but one of the things it said, okay, so lying, cheating, and stealing is my thing. That's... 15 left. Oh, okay. So I'm very good at lying, cheating, and stealing, and I practice it uh, still a little bit today. Um, Okay, so I told this story, but I had to get a new driver's license, and this is the first time that I went in... Because, you know, they've been doing it by mail and stuff. And so they never ask you how much you weigh. So that weight that I wrote down, that was a lie. In you know, when I was 20 years old, I, I finally got to the point where I weigh less. I was so happy to say that I weigh less than it says on my driver's license. But I've weighed less than that for 15 years. So, you know, I went in and I put my new weight down. But I told you about lying I have this little problem with it I think I might be constitutionally incapable so I lied about my height because I know they made a mistake at Cedars I know that I went from 5'6 to 5'4 I am not 5'3 I am not 5'3 and so I had to put 5'4 down on my driver's license so I'm not cured and the thing that I do I do, but you know my life is better. I'm happier. I'm able to deal with all the things in my life. So has my life gotten better? Not really. I still have problems with my son. He doesn't have a good enough job. My daughter, she's messing up relationships. Um, my finances. Oh my God! I've got, I need to steal. I need to cheat on this credit card. I still i I have all those problems, but they don 't really keep me up at night and that 's worth a million dollars that 's worth and, and I lie, okay. I just said I lie, I try my best, but you know i I sometimes think i 'm constitutionally incapable of being completely honest, but I do the best I can, and so I started coming to meetings and i i will give another little story about when i came to meetings and i started doing my first step so remember i was a business traveler i came into meetings i was a business traveler and so i was on expense account cheap 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 and staying at fancy hotels steal 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 right that's what you would do and let me tell you i have i still have a set of white towels from the Waldorf. In fact, when I wrote the Waldorf, the letter, I said, "I, you know, I actually looked at all the hotels I stayed at, and I just said, you know, I took four bath towels, to, uh, probably about ten hand towels, because if I'm traveling in winter weather, I would always grab a hand towel and put it in my rental car, because, you know, there's snow on the windshield. You know, there's just... Sometimes I would be worried about where I was driving. It was cold. I would grab a blanket, and it went to Hertz. It's not like I took it all home, but I took it. I took it. So I wrote to all of these hotels, the Hyatt, the Hilton, the Sheridan, the Westin, whatever. I wrote them all, the kind of a form letter and said the max, and they all wrote back, except for one, and said, just give the money to charity. We're glad you're in recovery. Give the money in charity. And I think one of them, I got two letters, the standard, give it to charity. And then another letter said, you know, I'm just looking at this. And I think you probably cost us two, three thousand dollars. I said, whoops, times five. Oh, I don't like this at all. And so I put it down. This is what I have to do. But somehow, It came into my consciousness that I had to give it to charity. And so I, I wasn't doing anything magnanimous, but, but I remember it was like my second year in program and all of a sudden I'm looking at the mail and, and so I'm trying to give money away. I'm trying to be more generous. I'm trying to, you know, I'm keeping track of what I'm giving back and I, I get a letter in the mail. It was probably in April, and it said, Gee, thank you for supporting our mother 's day event at the mission. Um, you have reached you gave enough so we 're going to we will be dedicating a table to your mother Tony Wasford How do they know her name and then I realized that they 'd written me a letter, and I just put in my stack of People that want money, and I wrote a check and I put her name down, and I didn't even know I did it. But that was one of the first deep breaths of recovery that I felt like, oh, oh I'm honoring my mother. Now ten minutes time. Thank you. From that point on, I didn't think my mother was great, you know. (laughs) let's not say I did a 180 permanently but I had a moment I had a moment and that's what this program has done for me my life is built on those moments where I have living the life that brings you peace and serenity and I'm I don't know um, I still have all of my character defects in spades and and that's okay that's okay. Like I said, they don't keep me up at night. They don't keep me up at night. So what did I do? I got ab, I came in the program and got abstinent 1994, April 15. And, and one of the things I don't do is, is start over. Cause I started this program, I was 50 years old. I have 28 years of abstinence, you know. I could not, I did every diet in the world three times. I could not do this three times. So I, I wasn't gonna start over. And I said, April 15th, 1994, I was going to not eat sugar. Cause I knew sugar was my problem. But I couldn't keep it. I couldn't do it. I didn't know what to do. So, I just did three meals a day. It has to fit on a plate. It has to be a standard size plate, not a turkey platter, you know, and, and that's what I was going to eat. And I thought that was very uptight. My mother, I, I don't know. I don't think I ate no matter what. I used to say if I was happy, I ate. If I was sad, I ate. If I was celebrating, I ate. If I was commensurating, I ate. If I was, if I was, I ate before sex. I ate after sex. I was trying to eat during sex. I didn't have that quite all worked out yet. (laughs) But, you know, uh, eating is what I did. Now, I ate because I drank. I ate because I smoked marijuana. I ate because my life wasn't working. I ate because I got married. I ate because I got divorced. I ate because you fill in the blank. I ate. So I know my bottom line is, Is that So I came in the program, but I probably was 10 pounds more than I weigh now because I had just done a 30-day fast. Now I have to tell you, one of the things I'm very blessed with is that all of the diets and things that I used to lose weight were things that actually ended up being healthy for me. So, you know, I, I joined a million gyms. I started doing yoga. I started doing yoga. I started all of these things, I did cleanses. So I got to experience, uh, my weight vacillated between 120 and 220. During my pre-program days, I gained and lost 685 pounds. I was really good at dieting and I was really good at eating. And I never knew what size I was because I would, I would be heavier. Then all of a sudden I would get thin. I would have no idea that I had my body had gotten thin and my brain still thought my body was terrible. And then I would start binging and I thought I was thin, but I wasn't thin. I mean, I was just so confused about my body image. It was just a really unpleasant thing. So anyway, I came into the program. I said I'm getting abstinence. I'm just sticking with it. 19, April 15th, 1994. And I gave up sugar July 5th, 1998. 5 minutes. Thank you. That's not perfect. That took one hell of a long time. But look at me. I my weight is perfect. My BMI is perfect. I'm in great health. You know, I'm on a program. I haven't done sugar since 1998. I haven't done wheat since 2001. I haven't done sugar substitutes that are chemical for the last five years. I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke marijuana because both of them seem to have a, a trigger on my appetite and I've had some things happen in the last year. I can't remember what one of them was. I think I, oh God, I love this program so much because I get people in other programs. So I'm complaining at a program or maybe a workshop and I'm saying, and it's just a small group of us and I'm saying, oh my God, I think I, in avoiding creditors and not getting my business things, I, I did all these financial things and I did it to save $200,000 and now I think it's going to cost me 200000 and I'm just so stressed and I want to do drugs, I want to do alcohol, I want to do all of that, but you know what? I like who I am. I like what I look like, I like what I feel like. That's, you know? So, and one of the things I have done is I am almost three years free of, Anxiety medication and sleeping medication. I did get outside help, but, and so whatever is wrong with me now, I think, oh boy, a Xanax would be just the thing to do, but I don't. Because then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna get a big gulp and then I'm gonna get extra fries and I, you know, I just don't want to do that. I am so happy living in this body. And it's it's healthy. I'm going to be 80. I'm healthy. I'm healthy and I am on top of whatever that I have to do. And I did it by doing these steps again and again and again. And again, I just did them. I just did them in a small workshop. I did it. With a group of people, I have no idea why they asked me, but it's fun. It's a lot of guys. I think that's really great, although. <laughs> I feel like I'm with all the cool folks. I'm happening. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, so I, I just keep doing the work. What happened? I had a spiritual experience And I totally surrendered to this program. After I was in program for about five years, I gained weight. And I was probably 20 pounds more than I weigh now. And I said, this really sucks. What am I going to do? And then I remembered when I was 220, I said... Not in the program. I said, God, who I didn't believe in. If I could weigh 170, 175, I would get down and kiss the ground. So I said, Pamela, just think what you asked for. You weigh 160 now, but that's not 220. It's not 140, but it's not 220. And let me look. I'm wearing a size 10 or 12. Well, I, they always tell you be in the middle of the pack. And I don't want to be... I mean, I, four times in my life, I shopped at the fat lady stores. I didn't even know one of them was a fat lady store. I said, well, look at this size. 14 is really big. I didn't understand it was what that W after meant. I mean, 14, you're really wide. <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm looking kind of good. Oh, Lord have mercy. But, so I said to, I said to God, God and I had a long conversation on this. God and I said, I said, I guess I have to let you decide what weight I'm going to be. I haven't been very good at it. I have vacillated from one of the spectrum to the other. I don't really know what to do. So I'm going to just take your input and be whatever size you say. But, you know, that wasn't the end of the conversation. I had to, excuse me, God, could you just review sizes four and six? And, and my height and my bone structure? Yeah, I mean, I really had a hard time with it, but I decided, you know, I'm going to wear a size 10. I'm going to wear a size 12. The sizes go from zero to 20. I'm 10. I'm in the middle of the path. I'm average. Nobody's saying, oh, she's skinny. Nobody, little kids aren't saying, oh, porky pig over there. I was just normal. And I said, that's the size I'm going to be. Okay, and I accepted it. And, you know, I am back to this size now, by the grace of God. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. Okay. This is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own, not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Leader, please restate the question. Thanks, for your share. So you spoke about having a spiritual experience. I wonder if you could talk about where you were when you first came in in terms of spirituality and where that changed. How that. changed. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, so uh, when I came into program, I thought People that had religion and spirituality needed to switch dealers because if they were smoking what I was smoking, they would be totally cool. Uh, and so it was a little hard for me to decide. Um, I But I noticed all this reference to God and stuff. So immediately after getting in program, I decided to find a religion. And I looked at a lot of religions. I I was going to follow this Hindu person who was actually a Jewish housewife from Brooklyn. She really changed my life. I looked at Church of Christ. I looked at the Sikh religion because a friend of mine had a chiropractor who was a Sikh, and I went to him, and he told me to become a Sikh. So this is so... So I'm in program and I pick a religion and that was a really good thing for me. But my spiritual experience that changed my life was after about two and a half years of program when I decided that God was the one that decided how much I was going to weigh and what size I was going to wear. And that to me was giving up that control of my body and my weight to something that wasn't within me knowing I still had to do the footwork and I still had to do the footwork but that's what I did and and as an outside issue the Okay, so it went down to two. Church of Christ and Sikhs. Why they both served food after the worship service. <laughs> now, Church of Christ had fried fried chicken and donuts. The Sikhs had vegetarian mung beans and rice with vegetables and maybe maybe a rice pudding, but usually usually fruit for dessert. So I just said, "You know why put Just like Bill W., you can't go into a bar and order a glass of milk and a sandwich. You go into a cafe restaurant to order food. So why would I go to a church which is going to give me Sugar and fried food. So, <laughs> I, I just decided it would be easier to. I mean, don't you guys do that? I think everyone does that. You just don't put yourself in in harm's way, you know. So anyway, I picked this religion. Now I have to tell you that the the yoga teacher who brought this religion to L.A. has become involved in a very serious scandal for. Financially, sexually, control-wise, he just committed a whole bunch of sins and hurt a whole bunch of people. And actually, I brought my daughter into this religion and she's been hurt by it. So I'm feeling a little stranded right now. Um, I still consider myself a Sikh. I still do Sikh practices. I don't know what I'm going to do. There is a a wonderful church that has wonderful music, that's kind of Christianly, and the guy lives across the street from me. So I was saying I was feeling without a congregation. So I I don't know what I'm going to do, but God still controls my whole life. I mean, I had all these things I was dealing with. My house being taken out of an llc setting up that financial stuff i'm having some you know i have end stage arthritis in both shoulders how can i do zumba you know i mean i just have a bunch of things that are going on in my life that are really oppressing and it was so funny i have to tell you that god will never give you more than you can handle and so, I don't know, I've been every day in my 10th step, and I do one every day. Every day in my 10th step, I put down, I've got to get the papers off to the lawyer. And I just, it was stuff, I, it wasn't just papers, it was me evaluating My whole financial condition, which is really not something I want to do, but, you know, I have to just, and I did it, and I did the attachments, and I did the email, I did everything I had to do. I did things I needed, other things that I needed to do, and I finally thought yesterday, I went to bed two nights ago, and I thought, "Ha! I had these things. You know how you have things weighing on you, and you just do them as fast as you can do them, and that's the best you can do? And what happens, yesterday I wake up and my phone rings and I have a property in Minnesota and there was a storm and it was a cabin my father built. Every every piece of wood, everything in there he did by hand, he built. He and my mother built. It's a great memory. And my caretaker says a tree fell almost on it. And okay, it didn't destroy the cabin. God's not giving me more than I can handle. And I have insurance. God's not giving me more than I can handle. It's a $2,000 deductible, which doesn't make, doesn't feel like a gift from God. But the fact is, you know, if it fell on my house, I wouldn't really care. But my father built this. My mother built this. I just feel so sentimentally attached. So I'm just grateful for that. And, you know, I'll find $2,000. It's not the end of the world. You know, I was saying, I go to these meetings, this, this workshop, and I'm saying, $200,000. One of the members said, well, you know, I come from GA, and that's not really much at all. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm not by myself. And whenever I talk to other people in the program, we don't just talk about food, we talk about life. And we find out everybody's had their challenges, and everybody's still here, and everybody's still making it to meetings. What more can you ask for? Okay, sorry, I don't even know if I answered that. <laughs> Kathy? I kind of have a question. You what your relationship with your mother, and number two, my sponsor always says, "Why do you have to go off on this? Neck? You need to be a woman of dignity and grace." And I'm listening to you. And how do you? I I feel like I can okay relate with you. Okay, so my mother, I just got over it. I just I love her now. She's okay. She I feel sorry for her. You know, it's come to light. Some of the things that she put on me were put on her. And she had, you know, she was the oldest of five girls. Her father got drunk and laid down in the middle of winter on the the train track, and the train ran over him. She was the oldest of five girls and, you know, had to help my grandmother. She had to raise her. She had a hard life. I had everything. My parents that adopted me had money had a good life. I mean, they. you know, I had everything given to me. Okay, so... One of the things that I do to keep myself more centered is I write down my food and I weigh and measure my food. And this is all a really big gift from God. And then I don't have to worry about my food. Then I have time to worry about sex, drugs, rock and roll, money, all of that. So... You know, I, the act of writing down my food, getting a report back from the app I write it in, writing a tenth step, getting input from people that read the tenth step, and working with others. Specifically working with sponsees keeps my head straight. You know? Five minutes time. Huh? Oh, thank you. So, so, one of my sponsees, who I see myself in 100%, okay? Like she stresses about everything. She's overachieving. Whatever. She's, it's a mirror of me. But she lost her weight. She writes her food down. She sends me her food every day. And she does a 10-step. And I I get these people that are new, and they change my life. So she says, I, I learned this new thing. Do you guys know about the two-way prayer? How you sit down and there's some writing you do, you write a prayer to God and then you meditate on it and then God answers it. Well honey, that takes care of everything. You know, you just have to put yourself in that space. That's a tool I didn't get till the last couple of years, but I got that tool. You know, and, and another sponsee she does, how do you keep yourself calm during the day, whatever. And she does on awakening and retiring. She does it every day. In her, and all of my babies write me a 10-step. I have seven of them now, which is probably about six too many. But, you know. <laughs> It keeps me not eating a couple hours, a couple days a week, you know. It makes me think when I'm writing my 10th step, I need to look at the recovery in it. And that's what I do. I write a 10th step every day. I have an app on my phone. And... It tells me how many times I write down my food. So every day I finish my food and I finish my 10 step. Okay. The truth is sometimes I do it the next morning, but you can go to your food and say yesterday's food. I'm finished and it logs in it. I can write my 10 step the next morning. It's not, I don't have to beat myself up about this, but I do it. If you looked at my phone, if I logged onto the app, it would say that I have committed my food for 2,782 days in a row. and that's how I keep myself together. I do the footwork. I'm a delegate, I'm a timer. I mean, in the beginning of program, when I was at the height of my disease, wanting to control everybody and everything, I did a lot of really big service. I did it on the intergroup, I ran birthday parties, I ran the intergroup, I ran region two, I ran an international convention, I did the 50th, when OA was 50, the convention was here, I was, cha- I was the local chair of that convention, but... I know many of you because I've done service with you. It's so nice to go to a meeting and look at these friendly faces and say, oh, I remember, I remember going to birthday party meetings when they lived in the, in the marina, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So, and that kind of keeps me straight. I'm not going to binge or purge or try to sneak candy when I'm interacting with other people doing service. So service has really been for me and it's the kind of person I am what really, really helps. I don't do the big things anymore because I'm not, because I'm retired, number one. And number two, I don't have the need to be in such control. I have more the need just to help, to open my hand and heart to those who need it. Okay, sorry. thank you for your service Thanks for your leave. are there character traits that you still do that you either think of negatively that you don't want to give up or that you have trouble doing no. yes but they, they are phasing out I have less and if I do something if I see somebody undercharge me and it, you know I'm already I just let it go and put another dollar in the basket put another five dollars in the basket you know I'm always trying to give so yes I have the character defects but I treat myself like I treat a sponsee I'm very gentle you know Rome wasn't built in a day I don't have a lot of time left I mean I'm going to be 80 for God's sakes you know why push it why push it Maniana, Terrell. That's time. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Uh. <laughs>